by far one of the coolest things I have ever done in 25 years of helping couples is launch this VIP Inner Circle membership. Check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. Get 24-7 digital coaching from me, yours truly, Michael Smalley. Find a community, find other people where you get to interact with me every single week. You get to ask your questions. We get to have conversations about the things that matter most to you. Again, check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. I couldn't wait to get to this session. We have arrived at the roadmap to your future of unmistakable intimacy. Those heartbreaking moments when your difficult conversations derail and you feel further apart than ever are about to be eliminated. This is it. This is the big one. I have been, man, the moment that I read this in Susan Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight, it was tears, literal tears. Because you know, my wife and I have had quite the year and we are definitely on the other side of that. But when I went through these six activities, these six things you can do to create an unbreakable relationship, one that feels secure again, one that feels intimate again, where you feel bonded with each other, where you're now closer now before like before ever, these six activities are things you can start doing right now that build an unbreakable relationship. So let's just get into them. This is, man, I, I mean it. I mean, it was really a profound moment for me when I hit this part of hold me tight and it just, I cried as I started thinking through it and as I started living out these six things in my own head, I knew I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is, this is what we need to be doing in order to be unbreakable, to repair the damage I caused, the damage that was caused to me. Uh, pay attention, do it. You've heard throughout the entire time, be intentional. These six things, these are non-negotiable. And if you do them, if you live them out, man, watch out. So here they go. Six of them. Number one, reflect on the triggering words or actions consistently causing your hostile reactions. In my relationship, we know what's going to happen if I'm feeling invalidated or if Amy is feeling rejected. We have to be able to recognize what are those things? What are those buttons that if it gets pushed, watch out. This is, it, it's, it's why it's so important to understand. And you need to have a conversation with each other in this first thing about, hey, all right, you're probably already aware, hopefully, of some of them, right? Now's your opportunity to discuss it with each other and to go, hey, I have to know that I cannot 
phrase things, say things, do things that are blatantly going to be pushing Amy's button of rejection. Amy knows she has to be careful with me that if I'm, if I go, look, this is a big thing. Something happened to me with somebody, an interaction with somebody else even. And I just, I just need you to hear me. She, she has to know which she does. Okay. I got to put my listening cap on. I do not need to give an opinion. I don't need to try to solve it. He's telling me he doesn't want solutions. He just wants to be heard. We got to know those things, right? I got to know if we're running late, right? So we're supposed to be somewhere at a particular time. That's one of those bugaboos where Amy and I get into trouble. I know that I can't become passive aggressive and say something stupid like, uh, are you, you know, are you going to be ready in time? I know the answer. I know it. So I don't need to ask it. I got to be woke y'all and know that, okay, that question in a moment where she's probably already nervous, knowing how big of a deal it is for me to be on time and think about that right there. That line of thinking is so big. I can understand she might be nervous. She might be a little snippy. She might be a little short with me, probably because she cares about me because she knows, dang it, oh, I'm running late again. And I know Michael wants to get there at whatever time. And this is hard for him. I got, I, I, that's the true thing. And so you've got to watch out. And you need to figure out the detours that are consistently setting you up to escalate, setting you up to shut down and stonewall or dishonor each other or negatively believe each other to death. This conversation of going, okay, help me understand what are the ways, you know, like I think here's one or two or here's three things that I think might be one of those dangerous comments or things to do. Is that true? And is there something I'm missing? And you talk about the detours so that you can avoid them. You don't have to go there. I don't have to ask. So are you going to be ready in time? I don't have to write. I don't have to ask that question. I got to take personal responsibility for our relationship and my part. That's number one, reflect on the triggering words or actions consistently causing hostility. Number two, celebrate the joyous moments, big or small. I had a client recently, I was on the phone and just checking in and this was like, how's it going? Well, her answer, this, I get this all the time. Well, I guess things are getting better. I mean, all I can really say is that he hasn't been a jerk for the last two weeks. But in my opinion, this is what's so sad because that's huge. That's a massive improvement. That's a good thing. Don't miss out on the positive stuff. Healing takes time and you can increase the speed of healing by highlighting the good, big or small moments. Focus on the times your partner is open and responsive to you. Okay. And I told her, look, why are you turning him not being a jerk into something negative? You don't have to do that. Receive it. Take it. Embrace it. Wow, that actually is really cool. He has been nicer. He has been more kind. He hasn't been a jerk. And this is not a little thing. 
So we don't want to, we got to be able to celebrate the joy in our relationship. And we got to be looking for it consistently. Share with each other a positive turning point in your relationship, right? When you, when you began to feel connected again. For me, in, in our story, it was spooning with Amy. I know this is like a totally simple thing, but to me, it meant the world. And so sharing that with Amy, spooning with Amy, but telling her, hey, man, do you remember back in May or whenever kind of that first significant moment where that spooning like, you know, exploded into my head like, wow, this is awesome. Share that with each other. Celebrating the joyous moments, big and small, reminds you the relationship is growing. Your love is increasing. One of the examples in, in the book that uh, Sue Johnson gives, I'll just read it because it's really sweet. Maxine, who is usually angry at Rick for his quote-unquote silences, suddenly very quietly tells him, I think I understand. You look so calm, but really you're scared. You are that little lonely boy I see in that picture of you as a kid we have on the fireplace. The loneliest boy in the world. You never belonged anywhere. So now here you are with me, the most talkative woman ever, and I overwhelm you. So you just go inside and, and try to calm yourself down. That's so sad. You must still be very lonely in there somewhere. Rick remembers this as the moment when he suddenly felt seen and understood that although his wife was angry with him, she loved him. That is one of those celebrating moments that you need to be able to share with each other right now. So take a moment. Highlight it with each other. Number three, plan rituals around the moments of separation and connection of your relationship, right? So rituals are just repeated, intentional ceremonies that recognize a special time or connection. Rituals engage us emotionally and physically so that we become riveted to the present moment, but in a positive way. So the rituals can be things like pet names, my wife and I have one where we call each other Dover instead of lover. Hey, Dover, what's up, Dove? There's variations of it. She likes snickerdoodle. One of my favorite things to do that is absolutely a ritual is that I will, I, you know, if I call her or if I walk in on a room, I just, the most random word that pops in my head, that's what I'll call her. So instead of Amy or Dover or something normal, I might walk in her. You know, she might call me. I'll be like, what's up, Liverpool? <laughs> that's a ritual. That's something that is a consistent deal that's positive, affectionate in our relationship. One of us, another cute thing that Amy started that's absolutely a ritual, one of us taps the other on the hand, kind of between the thumb and the index finger, three times. Tap, 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 which means I love you. And the cool thing is the other one. So if I initiate that and go tap, 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 Amy will respond in the same place on my hand with four taps, tap, 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 which means I love you too. Uh, kissing before heading out for the day is a ritual. 
Uh, Sunday morning coffee has actually become a thing for us because my daughter works at Starbucks and her Starbucks on Sunday, and she works a lot of Sundays, is on the way to the church we'd been going to. So we now leave earlier so we can go see her and her coworkers and hang out for a second and get some coffee. That's a ritual. These are really important to set up in your relationship. This is the kind of things that you do on a regular basis that makes it unbreakable, makes your love unbreakable, where you can overcome anything, not over, not just overcome it, but become better and more intimate than ever before. Number four, the safety first strategy. In calm moments, that's important, in calm moments, so not when you're flooded, discuss the reoccurring arguments and differences in your relationship. Right, Because you want to go, okay, what are the things that seem to consistently get us in trouble? Because you want to decide on how you, you can diffuse these moments in positive ways instead of doing one of those repulsive reactions, right? Escalating, avoiding, dishonoring, negative believing. This is really about creating an emotionally safe environment, right? You can do that and you can share and talk about this with each other. Go, hey, how can, you know, how can I assert my needs better? So instead of, are you going to be on time? What's my need? I just need to be able to approach her nicely in a kind way. Hey, look, I know, I know you realize how big of a deal it is for me to be on time. So I'm just, it would help me if, and you can be honest, it'll be okay, I get it. We can't always be on time, but are we gonna be able to be on time? So I, that's my need. I have every right to be able to share that. I just, I'm responsible for how I share it. We create safety by empathizing, right? That's where, look, I know this is a big deal to you. And I know it's hard to, you know, to be on time, that there's a lot of stuff you gotta get done. That's empathizing. We want to, we've got to be able to tolerate ambiguity. So there are just times where you don't know and that's okay, or you don't understand and that's okay. The more, the more clearly your thinking is, the more, co the, the more coherent your thinking is, the safer the relationship is going to be. The better your understanding, the button's getting pushed. Look, I know I started to react badly there. I guess for me, I'm just feeling ignored. I'm feeling devalued. I'm feeling unimportant right now. I'm feeling panicked. Thinking clearly really helps create that kind of a safe environment. And you're intentional by talking about these things, these triggering events before they happen so that you have a better plan on how could I do that better? Number five, creating a resilient relationship story. Whoa. Pay attention. If you're not a VIP member, get to smalleyinstitute.com right now. I don't know why I've been rolling my R's lately. Right now. <laughs> because right here, there's an exercise that you can do that helps you reshape that painful story from your past. Right? So all you're trying to do is answer the question, how have we turned things around? This is your story of how you fell in love again, how you keep falling in love. This addresses, remember, you're dealing with primal panic, a major wound. This addresses your fear of what happened to us. 
Like, how did this, how did this all go down? Johnson suggests the following prompts to help develop your, your resilient relationship story. So this is what you want to sit down with each other and do, do work it out first. So write down the words or the phrases you're going to use. Okay. Number one, three adjectives or images that describe your relationship when it was stalled in insecurity and negative spirals, right? So for example, you could use things like, look, felt dead-ended, exhausted, kind of felt like a minefield, right? I, was, I felt like I was walking on eggshells. It felt unsafe. So three adjectives or images that described the, the reality of what was going on. Now, you want to give two verbs that capture how each of you moved in your negative dance, right? And how you could change the pattern. Right, you might say something like, I pushed you, I pushed, you turned away. But we learned to talk about how scared we were and reach out for each other. That's the kind of sentence you're trying to put together here with two verbs. I pushed, you turned away. I freaked out, you shut down. Two verbs. Now, one critical moment when you saw each other differently where you felt new emotions and reached for each other, right? It might be something like, I remember that Saturday afternoon when I had walked out, I came back into the room and, and you were weeping. The look on your face really got to me. I just felt our sadness and, and I, I felt how our sadness came over you. And, and you remember I said, I wanted us to be close again and I needed your help. We had to help each other get there, right? So what is that critical moment for you when you finally started to see each other differently? Mine in our story was I was in Phoenix, Arizona. And the week before, the previous Friday, so it was on a Friday, the previous Friday we'd actually gone through mediation that blew up. That, you know, we didn't get angry towards each other, but... It was a real pivotal moment in our story. And it was seven days later and I got a text and it was the text I had been longing to get. That was a huge moment for me. You wanna give three adjectives, emotions or images that express your relationship now, right? Things like playful, contented, delighted, blessed, hand in hand, things like that. What are three adjectives or emotions that express where things are currently? And then one thing you are doing to keep your connection with each other open and growing, right? So it might be cuddling before we fall asleep or kissing when we wake up. Things like, like what are the things that are helping us stay connected? And then finally, the sixth and last thing to build an unbreakable relationship, creating a future love story. This is where you get to be dreaming about what it looks like three years, five years, 10 years down the road. This story outlines what you want your bond to look like, right? How you would like your partner and how, would you, how you would like your partner's help in making your dream a reality.
right? You might say something like, you know, in five years, I can see us spending time together consistently. We look forward to our date nights. We actually look forward to those times. It's dreaming positively. It's not, oh, well, in five years, you're no longer, right? No, it's this is what we want it to look like. What would it look like to share with your great-grandchildren about your relationship? You know, like, what would you like to tell your great-grandchildren about the two of you? The example in the book says, you know, I'd like to tell them that I was a good husband and I really tried to make my wife happy, that she was the light of my life like she is right now. Wow, that gives me goosebumps. Dreaming about that future, seeing the future, believing in the future, and then making it happen. Live like you want to be loved. You can do that starting now, and the results are profound. You won't regret it. Ignore the feelings of insecurity. Like, blow them up. Take the risk because the risk of loving someone, especially after they've deeply wounded you, is a risk worth taking. By far one of the coolest things I have ever done in 25 years of helping couples is launch this VIP Inner Circle membership. Check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. Get 24-7 digital coaching from me, yours truly, Michael Smalley. Find a community, find other people where you get to interact with me every single week. You get to ask your questions. We get to have conversations about the things that matter most to you. Again, check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP.